Hey, welcome to the Behind the Screen Podcast. Andy Benoit, my friend Greg Cosell. Go ahead and hit that subscribe button. Greg, we were talking quarterbacks before the show. We figured people like that position. We'll talk about them on the show. <laughs> A good one with uh, the AFC with the Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes. That's kind of the marquee personal quarterback head-to-head matchup that people yeah. want this time. Uh, last few years, of course. We've talked about Allen this year. I don't know if you've seen... Mahomes is green, but I haven't seen the Green Bay film yet. I've seen almost every other Chiefs snap so far. I don't know if Mahomes is playing at the level that he's played at, and we're talking the highest of levels. So we're saying he's maybe been an A plus, now he's an A minus. Let's keep it in perspective. But where do you see Mahomes right now in that Chiefs offense? Because it's we're late in the season here, and it looks like it's a September offense at times. I would agree with that, and I you know I think there's probably a number of reasons for it. I mean, obviously Mahomes. Uh, we're used to him, Andy, making those off-schedule, outside-of-structure plays. He's, you know, the best in the league at that. And he's he has phenomenal vision on the move. Um, he sees things that others don't. He certainly can throw the ball from multiple platforms. So as, as a movement quarterback, he's the best in the league. And, and he's done that so many times that we just assume that that's going to always happen. And you know, as you and I have discussed through the years, there's still kind of a, a random element to that. Even though teams have scramble rules and we know all that, you know, we know he and Kelsey have a great chemistry. Kelsey knows how to move into a avoided area. Um, but still, there is somewhat of a random element when a quarterback moves um, because you don't know how the defense will respond to that. Um, but I, I agree with you. I think that for the most part this year, a good part of this year, not every game by any means. And your point's correct. The A plus to the A minus. We're not talking about a bad player. Um, the issue you face, there's a couple of things you face. You face the fact that your your pass game doesn't have any timing or rhythm to it. Um, and, and you want that. That's how you start your passing game. That's how it's taught. Um, but I would say this, and I'm not Mahomes' head clearly, but watching their tape every week, my sense is that he's not real comfortable with his offensive tackles in one-on-one pass protection. And you're talking about, you know, Taylor on the right side and Donovan Smith on the left side. And I think when a quarterback feels that he's not going to be cleanly protected um, and, you know, of course it's easy with a clicker to say he should be doing this and he should be doing that. But I think if he feels like he's not being cleanly protected, I think there is just, you know, a, a human tendency. He is a human being to feel that, Hey, Maybe I have to move. I can't stay in there the way I might want to, and I'm going to move. And I'm going yeah. to move before I really need to because I don't want to get to the point where it becomes a problem. So I think there's a lot going on there. But the bottom line is the pass game has certainly not been as as consistently efficient as we know it can be. When Mahomes came into the league, you know, Greg, I learned football from you and Ron Jaworski originally. You learned a lot from those guys. You, Bill Walsh, was an influence of yours. We're kind of pocket-passing guys. That's how we see the game. That's how we learn to value and understand and evaluate the game. And Mahomes comes into the league, and you, I think as an analyst, you realize right away, all right, I, I need to be willing to expand how I see this position for this guy because he can do certain things that other guys cannot do. And it went so well. And what really impressed me about Mahomes through all of that is with all the success he had playing off schedule and how great he was, he matured every single year and became a more on schedule player at the same Without time. Without question. He was never yep. dependent on the off schedule. And that's the difference between him 
and some other guys that people think are stars that aren't really stars, if we're being honest. So I don't feel like that the Mahomes trajectory that we've seen the last few years where it's all right, you know, that average depth of targets getting smaller because the ball's getting out. He's playing within the system a little more every year. It feels like he's totally gone in a different direction the last yeah. few weeks. And there are throws that are there within the time thing in the Raiders games, the one I saw most recently. I thought there were five or six downfield throws that were there within the design and structure that for one reason or another, he didn't see. And it was a clean pocket on some of those. And that's where it gets it's one thing to uh, abandon a pocket a little early, not trusting your tackles, maybe like you're saying. But when you start leaving throws on the field from a clean pocket, that to me is a different level of discomfort. I would agree. And again, because we don't know what's in his head, but ultimately, you know, obviously more and more quarterbacks coming into the league. And and just as a quick anecdote, I remember talking to coaches, big name coaches. Okay. Guys, I'm not going to mention names because that's not right, but big name coaches um, who everybody would respect. They've won a lot of games in this league. I remember talking to them at the scouting combine the year Patrick Mahomes came out. Okay. Mm -hmm. And a number of them said to me, they said, Oh, this guy's really talented, really talented. Maybe as talented as anybody I've seen, but I work 16, 17 hours a day putting in my offense. And I just don't know if he's going to run my offense. And obviously we now have five or six years of Mahomes being on, on track to be a hall of famer and maybe the, the best five or six years anybody's ever put together. So as you said, we're not talking about a bad player, uh, but you know, I think that he seems a little different this year. Now, maybe starting this week against the Bills, maybe it all starts to come together and we see the great Mahomes. I know people will say, well, he's got young receivers. You know, that's true and not true. I mean, look, Jordan Love is a first-year starter playing with two second-year receivers and three first-year receivers, and he's been getting incrementally better every week. So, you know, I don't know if that is a is a truly valid argument. Um but anyway, be that as it may, um, we know that Mahomes is more than capable of being both outstanding and high level from the pocket and still making those absolutely special second reaction improvisational yeah. plays. Uh, we, he, we, we've seen him do it in his career. You know, that's why he's Mahomes. He's great. But it just doesn't feel the same. I agree with you. Yeah, and it's his, the receivers, you know, when those guys have struggled, they haven't played great this year, but they struggle in ways that show up easily on TV. Basically, they don't catch passes that hit them in the hands. I mean, that's right. That's right, right, right. And so it looks like they're, but that's not an issue of coaching. That's not an issue even of the receiver to some degree. It's not like, you know, it's one thing if you're dropping balls, obviously you don't want to do that. But where quarterbacks lose trust in their receivers when the receiver's not where he's supposed to be or right. he's somewhere at the wrong time, which I guess is another way of not being where you're supposed to be. I don't feel like that's – there are some offenses, I, I won't say anyway, we don't need to kick anyone while they're down, but there are some offenses that you put on the film and you feel like you've wasted your time because the receivers and the route combinations are so poorly executed. I've yeah. never felt that way this season watching Kansas City. No. That's other problems. Yeah, you agree with that? I do. I do. Yeah. Um, so, and, you know, so I don't know what the answer is. I mean, I remember – and you'll remember this as well. I think it was two years ago – when Mahomes early in the season went through a two or three game stretch where he just seemed a little out of sync. Um, and he threw a couple of bad picks. Um, and then 
I remember the way Andy Reid got him back on track. He basically called a lot of timing and rhythm throws, more quick game type throws with basic route concepts. They were shorter route concepts, whether it was snag flat or whatever, basic things that the Chiefs run. uh, And it's in everybody's playbook. But And Mahomes got right back on track and ended up having a phenomenal season. Um, You know, the thing about those those improvisational plays is they're so great when they work that it's so easy to get excited about them and think that, man, that's the way you play quarterback. You know, I mean, I've had a lot of people on social media tell me, you know, I'm old school because I don't understand the new way the quarterback position is played because, you know, I don't look at the guys who run around as if that's the way you play because now that's the way you have to play to be a good quarterback. And I think no matter what coach you would speak to, Andy, and I think you know this, um, and I hope people understand this, they're not going to start by telling you he's a great quarterback because he can run around. And it amazes me how many times that gets brought up to like that's the norm. And look at and not the, and I don't want to be reductive here and just say, oh, look who goes to the Super Bowl. But you know, we just said Mahomes has become more than just a run-around quarterback when he's playing comfortably and at his best. I think Jalen Hurts last year was a pocket QB when he needed I, to be. Those I guys agree. The year before, it's Joe Burrow versus Matthew Stafford in the end. The year before that, it's Tom Brady that we've talked about lately. I think we all agree he's pretty pocket-oriented. Yeah. You know, Jimmy Garoppolo's in the Super Bowl against Brady before that. Uh, Jared Goff against Brady before that. Boy, Brady right, 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 right. Garoppolo against Mahomes, I meant. But the, the point is, you know, the pocket passing – is what works and is what's sustainable. And you can get by with only pocket passing. You're more limited, but you can't get by with only running around in the NFL. That's a great point. That's a great point. Um, you know, and it's funny. It, it We have these conversations and things just pop into my head. And again, maybe I am, I don't want to say I'm old school, but maybe my, my personal bent is toward guys who play the position from the pocket at a really high level. And it's a play you and I, I actually called you about earlier this week with Matthew Stafford when he threw the 70-yard touchdown to a Nakua. And, you know, what really struck me about that was what he did before the snap of the ball. You know, I think a lot of people lose sight of the process of playing the quarterback position. It's a process that starts at the beginning of the week. It's not just what people see on Sundays. And what I loved about that play is Stafford came to the line of scrimmage and he saw the defense and he saw that there was no defender that was more that was deeper than eight yards from the ball. Okay, and both safeties were on the line of scrimmage on the edge. So the defender that was the furthest defender from the line of scrimmage, eight yards, was a linebacker. So he audibled. Uh, and 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 he checked, and it was just beautiful. And he sent Nakua, who was number two to trips, on a seam route, knowing that now he's sending a wide receiver down the seam versus a linebacker. And he obviously made a great throw, and it turned out to be a 70-yard touchdown. See, to me, that's high-level quarterback play right there. You know, that's you, you have to be able to get to that at some point in your career to be a high-level quarterback in this league. Wouldn't you agree? I would agree, and I think that kind of quarterbacking as well almost always lends itself to pocket passing. How often you don't see a quarterback line up and check or audible to a bootleg very often. You certainly don't see them audible to a runaround play. And, no. and, and you know, so it's if if we want quarterbacks to if we're going to praise them for seeing the game in the pre-snap phase and getting smarter, and we we do all that with these young QBs. Well, we need to be honest about that and understand what we're saying. 
we're talking about running the offense and the offense is designed to be run from the pocket because there's 10 other guys out there too. It's not just a quarterback running around. Right. No, that's a great point. And look, I think we would all agree that maybe at this stage of the NFL with the quality of defensive players and the athletes getting better, that at some point you do need movement ability. And by the way, that can be defined in multiple ways. And we certainly can you know, talk about defining it, but there's multiple ways to talk about movement with quarterbacks. And we'd probably all agree that, you know, the true pocket guy, and again, maybe we need to leave a Tom Brady out of the conversation because he was just ridiculously special and not everybody's going to be Tom Brady. In fact, no one's going to be Tom Brady in a, in a strict sense. So maybe just that exact guy, maybe that guy is not quite what the NFL is looking for, but you know, you don't need to be a superior superlative athlete running around in order to play quarterback at, at a high level in this league. Would you say that maybe what you do need as a quarterback is the ability to find your bailout answer and what a bailout answer when pressure impacts the play, what is my response to that? And for Brady, because he was so good in the pre-snap phase and they did so much scat protection where they're putting all five guys out in routes, his bailout answer for a long time was hot routes. So, you know, I'm going to throw the hot and I'll be very efficient with that. Yeah. Or another bailout is I'm going to throw the check down before the progression yeah. takes me there because I know that I'm not going to get what I want. So, you know, that was his answer for guys like Lamar or J- uh, Jalen Hurts or Mahomes or Josh Allen for this Bills Chiefs we're kind of talking about. You know, can their bailout answer be I'm going to move? Is that the same as a Brady with his hot game? Can those be interchangeable and work the Maybe. same way from one guy to the next? Because now I think it, it returns to the process. When you install plays and concepts with your quarterback, because that's how it starts. You know, fans see the game on Sunday. Maybe they get a chance to go to training camp, you know, and hang out a little bit. But they're not – they don't see the process from when it starts whenever – I don't even know the dates anymore, you know, with the collective bargaining agreement. But whenever it starts – so you're installing concepts and plays. And I think a lot of coaches offensively would say, well – the first thing we have to make sure we tidy up because you don't have a passing game without protection is what is our protection? Then you think, okay, when we install a play, what is the intent of the play? Are we looking for this to be an explosive play? Do we want you to throw the ball ideally down the field or are we looking for an efficient kind of play? But what are we trying to get done with what we're installing? And then I think you get to the mechanics of, of, what the play is, you know, is it a play where, you know, if it's three step or five step, there's a certain kind of footwork and drop. Is it a deeper drop? You get to the mechanics and then to play off what you just said, it's what are the potential problems that the defense could pose with this given concept or, or specific play? And then what are my answers? What are my answers if the defense poses a problem? And I would bet that 99% of coaches would say that the answer isn't just run around. Now, sometimes that might be the best answer. And if you're capable of doing that and you can be special at it, maybe that's okay. But I guarantee that the answer for a coach is not going to be that just run around, just, just do whatever. Now that's not going to be the answer. To, to be fair to those guys that do make those plays out of structure, Green Bay for a lot of years was probably the best at it organizationally. You know, I know the people in Seattle will tell you that some of those teams that had those kind of quarterbacks, they do practice this a lot too. Like the, they do. The, the oh. structure is not as out of structure as it can seem. There's still rules. 
where, hey, if you're the whitest yep. guy, you're going this way. If you're the shallowest guy, you're going that way. Like it's it's counterintuitive to the defense, but these out of structure plays do have a little more semblance of structure than probably you or I would give them credit for from time to time. But your point's well taken. It's that you have to have answers. And you know what's interesting, Greg, you'll appreciate this. One thing I didn't realize until I started getting involved with the day-to-day stuff, and this is not a Rams thing, by the way. It's going to sound like it because it's, it's similar, but this actually is from a different team. Someone told me, that, and it's a team that runs bootlegs in the, in the movement game a lot. They told me we almost never practice those plays. We don't. We just put them in. We don't practice them a whole lot. They're not, and the reason why is they're not timing and rhythm plays, and you're moving the pocket, so it's it's a different kind of, Yep. energy to the play. So I thought of it when you were saying you put your installs in, what you're doing on your installs is trying to get everyone on the same page. There are certain styles of football where you, you need to be on the same page, but maybe not in the same paragraph, if you will. And a shallow cross can be five yards deep instead of eight yards deep if you're moving the pocket. You know, certain things like that, those movement quarterbacks do give you a little more freedom and flexibility of how you can design and install other plays out the non-timing and rhythm plays the bootlegs are what made me think of it no no question um and and, you know it's funny i've heard offensive coaches talk to me and say that hey every time we call a play because it's based on what we anticipate from the defense based on film study and just so people understand whatever the down and distance is the play caller is not choosing from one of 70 plays he's choosing from one of five or six plays that have been practiced you know, maybe the formation's a little different. Maybe there's a motion that they've added, but it's it's a concept, you know, so they're not calling from one of 70 plays. Um, uh, and what, what, what they would like to happen, the, the plays are called with the idea that you want to be able to throw it to your primary read. Now, that obviously doesn't happen all the time, but that's the way they're called. Because, you know, you're, you're anticipating based on film study as a coach puts his game plan together throughout the week and he studies a defense. Hey, when we line up in base, you know, when the Niners line up in 21 personnel on first and 10, okay? And, of course, there are 21 personnel offense and they're very multiple with their formations. But when they line up in 21 personnel on first and 10 and they're playing a team that they know they're going to get base defense from, whether it's a 5-2, a 4-3, whatever the – the defense is they know that hey they play quarters on first and ten they play cover three on first they know what they're getting and they call a play that is designed for that but then has a built-in answer you know let's say they call a cover three play and they get cover four they have an answer for cover four and the quarterback is expected to see that answer within the timing and structure of the play call yeah you may think, I'm going to make a hard left turn here to another AFC game, if you don't mind. Oh, you go ahead. I don't want to forget it. The Miami Dolphins offense, have you noticed lately that – because they play a lot of 21 personnel as well. They come from yeah. the San Francisco mindset. Mike McDaniel, Alec Ingold's the fullback. He's very flexible, just like check is for the Niners. Have you noticed lately that a lot of defenses are playing base against Miami's 21 personnel? Even the Raiders, who were in nickel on almost every snap, for most of this season, they played base against Miami's 21 personnel. And I'm trying to understand why that would be, because it's happening often enough now. Yeah. It's not a coincidence, I don't think. Yeah, and that surprises me. Uh, again, you know, these defensive coordinators are smarter than I am. But um, I did speak to one defensive coordinator 
um, who said that you have to treat their 21 like 11 because of their weapons are just too good, you know? Yeah. So uh, obviously some of these teams now are thinking that's not the case. Um, obviously they do run the ball well. Um, you know, I, I don't know the answer to that, Andy, you know, because to me, and I'm not a coordinator and I don't have the same facts and information at my fingertips that coaches do, you know, cause they have staffs that are studying everything in far greater detail than I can as one person, but boy, I'm just not sure I'd want to line up um, in my base defense against that offense because Ingold, the way they deploy him and they deploy him in multiple ways, similarly to the way the 49ers deal with Kyle Juszczyk, obviously Mike McDaniel being a Kyle Shanahan disciple for years. Um, you know, in, in many ways, even though they don't throw the ball to Ingold uh, very often, that is anyway, yeah. you know, he's kind of a hybrid fullback tight end. He, he lines up in multiple spots. He can be split. Um, I would treat their 21 like 11 more often than not. And I'm not saying you want to allow long runs, but I think if they want to hand the ball off, I'm not saying, wow, you're thrilled with it because you still have to deal with the great speed they have with Mostert and Achan. But I mean, I I think if they want to hand it off, you're probably happier than when he hits Hill in in a void in your zone, you know, and he just takes off. Yeah, no, absolutely. I'm looking at the numbers. They've faced 21 in terms of just total snaps. They've faced 21 more than all, but looks like seven teams the last month of the season here so far. I'm wondering, Greg, a little bit, you know, that that Philadelphia-Miami game a few weeks ago, the Sunday night game. Yep. When Philadelphia came out and they played the deep cover two, they played it pretty well, or at least the two deep variations. And they also attacked the edges. The mind's eye has Hassan Reddick banging the crap out of whoever's coming off the edge. I wonder if there's something as part of that equation where the thinking is, all right, if we can control the edges up front and keep our two safeties back deep, those are the two main things we need. We don't need a fast nickel playing at that intermediate level in between that because he's not really factoring on either of those things. We need the deep safeties. We need the strength and girth to set the edge or, or put bodies in destruction on the edge. I wonder maybe if that's part of the equation with some of these defenses I just I would love to know I'd love to know why Patrick Graham who's done a good job as the Raiders DC for a few years now was willing to change his defensive personnel for the most unique dynamic offense in the league yeah I wish I had an answer to that because you know when I when I look at this offense the Dolphins offense um, you know a couple of things stand out to me number one obviously they have a lot of motion okay they do a lot of things with motion different kinds of motion Um, So you have to have as a defense, you have to have rules for how to deal with motion. And you can't have 15 different rules because it's too hard to do that. Uh, And one of the reasons teams use a lot of motion, I think anyway, and the Dolphins use it more in the pass game than the Niners. The Niners use a lot of motion in the run game. Not that they use none in the pass game, but their motion is much more run game based, where the Dolphins motion is much more pass game based. And yeah. one of the reasons they do that is it, it kind of shrinks your defensive menu. It, you know, there's only so many things you can do in response to all kinds of motion. So it shrinks your menu a little bit and you can't get to all your calls. Um, and I always look at this offense as being, as a defense, more coverage based than pass rush based for this reason. The ball gets out so quick. I'm talking about normal down and distance. Obviously, every chain, everything changes on third and long, you know. But in normal down and distance, the ball gets out so quick 
that you're not really going to impact Tua a ton with pass rush. Uh, so what do you need to do? You need to, to really take away those first window throws and not give up big plays. That's essentially what you're trying to do against the Dolphins. Um, and you need, you need people in coverage for that. And it's why teams don't blitz a lot, obviously. And you need to rely on your – you need coverage to be first – and, and then your four-man pass rush to become a factor once you take away the first window. That's the way I see playing against them, but I'm sure there's other you know, coaches that have different points of view on that. Yeah, one thing the Dolphins do so well is they present motion. Out, they'll throw those in-breaking routes on those timing and rhythm throws. We call them strike routes, I know. And, uh, but they'll put motion outside of it to make the flat defender have to be occupied. They, they, Correct. They, yeah, they almost, it's almost like any more they use motion after the snap to some degree. They'll flare someone out. They'll bring a guy in short motion and then leave him outside. I think there are three quarterbacks, Greg. Tell me if you agree with this. And if I'm – I really I'd like to hear if I'm missing anyone. Go ahead. There are three quarterbacks to me that trust throws between the numbers on early downs in their system with the same level of, of confidence and intimacy that they would trust their own parents. It's two. Of I would say two, two of them are going to be two and Purdy. Who's the third? Jared Goff. Oh, yeah. I would see. I okay. can see that for sure. Yeah. So, I mean, some <laughs> yeah. of the throws that, and yet it's two and Purdy for sure. And then Goff probably third on that list. Some of the throws those guys make, and I feel like Purdy sees it a little more than Tua sometimes. Like he, he is, he trusts, he throws with anticipation. I, I think there are snaps where Tua's throwing it regardless and he is so precise and decisive he gets away with it i don't think i've ever have we ever seen a quarterback throw with the blind faith and success doing it that tua does between the numbers did you watch the tape this week no i know the top of the washington tape yeah no not yet it's just, it's yeah, uh, he had a throw this week he had a 20 yarder to hill this week that was just exactly what you said if you were to freeze it as he separates his hands I mean, you know he's throwing to Hill, so I don't want to say you don't know who he's throwing to. But the window, you know, you just look at it as he starts to separate his hands, and I knew he was throwing it to Hill. Go, God, this is this is unbelievable. No, Some and, of those, and, I feel like it's not even a window. Like if it were a house, I'd say, well, that's just the side of a wall. There's no window in that wall. Right, 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 right. Let alone the window being open. I can't believe some of these throws he makes. No, I agree with you. I mean, he if, if he can hit his back foot – and feel that he can comfortably deliver the ball. I mean, he is truly, truly at his best doing that. I mean, I made a note, note watching him this week, and I probably made this note almost every week, but sometimes I just end up typing the same thing because it just pops into my head. I said, uh, Tua, best in the NFL, hitting his back foot and throwing with precise timing and high-level anticipation on in-breaking routes. He is a first-window passer, working a high percentage of the time between the numbers. That's what he is, and I think he's the... I would argue that pure timing of that, he's the best. Uh, Purdy is close, but I think Purdy's a little different. And Goff, to me, is also like that, but he's a little different too. They're just a little different in, in how they execute it. But but it's all from the same school. Yeah, I feel like with Goff, there's a little more of a willingness to let the timing of those those throws you're talking about present themselves like he'll go second window he'll go a little bit later in the first one like there's a little more of a an honoring the defense if you will well he's also got a stronger arm than the other two great point great point yeah 
do you think, all right, let's say if Tua's throwing these balls on blind faith, all right, he's just throwing them, and it's working well, I, 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 special. I'm not sure he'd say or McDaniel would say they're blind faith, but I know what you mean. In theory, though, let's say theoretically. Right, right, right. If, if they are as close as you can be to blind faith as a quarterback, does that change? I know you just said he's best in the NFL at that. Would that change your opinion about best in the NFL? You mean overall quarterback? Well, no, best. you said he's best in the NFL at these timing and rhythm throws. At those, at those throws. In between the numbers. And I and I said to you, if someone came and said, hey, he's actually, he's these are as close to blind faith as it can be, do you still feel that he's the best at it? Yeah, I mean, because I don't think, I, I think he just has a feel for that. I mean, that's a feel thing. You know, there's a lot of quarterbacks you could still, you know, look at the iPad, practice on the field, go to the blackboard, do whatever it is you do to coach quarterbacks, and they're not going to make those kinds of throws. I mean, that's here, going back years for people who are older listening to us, you know, not everybody could make the, the dig ball throws like Kurt Warner could, you know, where he could throw it with beautiful, firm touch before Isaac Bruce or Torrey Holt even began their break on the dig routes, okay? not You could talk to a quarterback and say, hey, that's when we want you to throw it, but I think when guys are out there, they either can do that or they can't do it. I'm not sure you can teach the kind of, to use your term, blind faith anticipation that Tua has. I think that's a trait, and that's what separates him. That's a trait. He's not, you know, he's not dropping back with his eyes closed. I mean, he knows yeah. what he's looking at, and he just has an innate feel for how that window plays out and where the ball needs to be thrown. You know, that's that's his. That's why he's Tua. That's his game. There's other things he can't do. You know, I mean, he can't sit on his back foot if you get late in the down and drive the ball down the field. That's not his game. Yeah. No, and outside the numbers is not his game either. He's no, a very different no. thrower outside the numbers and inside the numbers. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, no. that's what he is. And, you know, I think he's always – I remember doing my evaluation of him coming out of Alabama, and, you know, it, it happened to be one of those I got right. I said this is the kind of quarterback he'd have to be in the NFL and because uh, I thought his tape at Alabama showed that. And, you know, there were people at the time that he came out saying he's Russell Wilson. And I said, no, he doesn't move like that. He's not going to be that kind of quarterback in the NFL. Yeah, that's, that strikes me as just they were looking at the body type. and Right, oh, he, right. I remember, I, who was it? Mark Ingram coming out of Alabama got those Emmett Smith comparisons. And it's, I, I think it's because he kind of just physically in a football uniform looked like Emmett Smith did in a football uniform. Yeah, and Ingram was a good back, but yeah. Yeah, and I'm talking right. stylistically, of course, too. Right, I right, right. A question for you to circle us back to the Chiefs, I guess, um, because – You've watched Andy Reid a long time. You 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 know his history in Philadelphia so much better than I do. On the Chiefs, they run so many of their routes. A typical offense, if a route goes, let's say it goes 12 yards. In Kansas City's, it probably goes 17 or 18 yards a lot of the time. It is such a vertical offense. And it's not just yep. that they send a guy deep. They send three or four guys deep. They'll send crossers that don't start breaking until they get deep which is yep. really unusual. Was he like that in in Philadelphia, or is that something that he's evolved with because he has Patrick? Uh, boy, I, that's a that's a tough question. Um, my buddy Jason Avon, who I work with, would know the answer to that because he played for Coach Reed. I can't remember. Um, 
specifically, you know, the thing about Andy Reid and some, some are saying now right or wrong that in many ways he's, he kind of has the same team because in Philly, people would always say they need to get receivers because they didn't have the quote unquote great receivers for most of his career. Um, and now people are saying, well, look at what they have in Kansas City. They don't have the great receiver, you know, because obviously Tyreek Hill's not there. So um, uh, my sense is, and I could be wrong, and if somebody who knows better than I, you know, wants to let me know, I think this is something he's done more now with the Chiefs. Maybe it's a function of Mahomes. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know. Remember, Andy Reid came up through the NFL coach and Brett Favre. And I'm sure that has been enormous for the backers. You can't coach Brett Favre and have success unless you're willing to be flexible as a coach. I mean, the stories I've heard about Favre and just how unconventional he was. I know there was one that they went to in the front of the season and said, Brett, we're allotting you 12 intercept, 12, what the hell plays this year? They're probably going to be interceptions. They don't have to be, but you get 12 random rocket balls that are going to drive us crazy and you only get 12 and when you're done we're coaching you hard well it's and funny you say Parker, that because that reminds me of yeah when we had mike holmgren wired and he was his coach and he came to the sideline and and Favre did and holmgren said uh no more rocket balls please we're done with the rocket balls <laughs> yeah yep. you know yep. I, and well, i think with you know Favre would come back counting them and he'd throw an air you know yeah. throw a what the hell pick six Come back and say, all right, that's number two in this count of right, 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 right. Yeah, the no, best- and there's certain quarterbacks like that. I mean, again, no one wants a quarterback to throw a bad interception, but on the other hand, you know, it, it gets down to what kind of quarterback they are, which in a different way speaks to how we started this discussion about pocket versus guys who move. You don't want to coach them out of moving and making great plays. So when all said and done. Do you have to live to some degree with the fact that they'll miss some things from the pocket uh, and, and just hope that with experience, they start moving in the direction where they don't miss things from the pocket, but they also still have that phenomenal second reaction improvisational movement ability. And I feel like that's exactly how Mahomes has been. Like you just articulated Patrick Mahomes' career right there. Yeah, I mean, look, Mahomes is a great, great quarterback. You know, just because he's had a few tough games this year and is not playing the best football of his career does not mean that he's not a great quarterback. And, you know, and by the way, the guy has a lot of mulligans, too. The guy's been a great quarterback who's played in three Super Bowls and won two in, what, a five- or six-year career. So, you know, all we're doing is watching the tape and expressing what the tape shows. Okay. And we're not wrong in telling people what the tape shows. It does not mean we don't think Mahomes is a good player. He's obviously a great player. Um, but there's no question that the coaching staff in Kansas city knows this as well. Yeah, no, it's great. It's such a fine line between winning, losing success, greatness in the NFL. The, and I, when the great players are a little, when it's hard for them that's where it's easy to remember to really respect the league and what a great oh, league it is. It is so hard for quarterbacks in this league. So hard. I, I mean, you know, I've been fortunate as you have to, you know, talk to a lot of really smart people who know the quarterback position. And I'm just blown away. I mean, look, I think Brock Purdy doesn't get the 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 recognition he's due and the accolades he's due because his ability to read late rotation and coverage and just go to the right receiver, don't forget. This takes a second. That's that's about how long he has to read it and throw it to the right guy. 
I mean, that's a trait that doesn't come across, I'm sure, to a lot of people because it's not a physical trait. It's a, you know, it's just an innate kind of mental trait and he's got it at a very high level. And I'm just blown away by that. Yeah, no, it's, it's, yeah, I'm with you on that. He's had an excellent season. These guys we're talking about have had an excellent season. Anything else to touch on? We can go quarterbacks all day. We don't want to. Oh, yeah, we can. All night, I guess, at this point. Anything else to touch on coming up for this week, though, or anything you saw on film this week that would interest me and therefore hopefully the people still listening to us? Um, you know, just two very quick things. Number one, uh, we touched on it briefly, but I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued, really intrigued by Jordan Love. Um, I really like the way he's developed. He's an aggressive thrower, so he's going to make some bad throws and have a bad game just because he's very aggressive. Um, and ideally, that'll become channeled with more experience. That's what you hope. Um, and the other guy we haven't really mentioned, and obviously they play in a big game this week, is I think Dak Prescott is playing at a really high level right now. And I think you know there's a number of reasons for that, but I think overall he, he looks as comfortable as I can recall seeing him. Um, and – I think he's seeing things really clearly. The ball's coming out. He's incredibly decisive. Um, they've added a lot more empty formations the last five weeks. Um, be, I think their old lines played really well too, but I think they're just, he's just real comfortable in seeing it and therefore being decisive, getting the ball out. Yeah, no, I'm with you. And he's always been comfortable and empty as well. I had a yeah. five-minute conversation with him once. There's no way he would remember it. I barely remember. It's at the Super Bowl, one of these promotional things. But the only football thing we got to talking about were empty formations and how he just likes you spread out. You see everything. You know, he does a lot more. And I don't. You never know what a guy is saying. I guess necessarily, but he does a lot more at the line of scrimmage than people talk about or give him credit for as well. I agree. I agree. Yeah, and, and you know how I know that is because when I watch Dallas film, it takes about 45 seconds to get through each play because they, they start their camera the second they break the huddle. Those guys walk up and you watch football at the line of scrimmage for 35, 40 seconds. No, that's true, and that, therefore it takes time to get through it. But he does a lot at the line of scrimmage, and he's very, very good at it. Yeah, and I wonder how much of it also it helps when your best receiver, because that offense goes through C.D. Lamb, and it's not just when you know their passing game goes through yeah. C.D. Lamb. It's not just that's who they throw the ball to. It's also a lot of times where their progression starter, how it dictates the structure of the play. They build that passing game around him. I wonder how much different it makes it for a quarterback when that guy you're, the, who you're building around lines up inside more than outside because I would imagine the, the matchups and what you're seeing is a little clearer there. If he's outside, it's going to be a cornerback across from him every time, and you're going to have to read other pieces of the information in the defense. His matchup inside, it's you know if it's, if it's not a corner, you already kind of know what you're getting out of the coverage, at least man or zone, big picture. Right, right, right. right. If that helps having a, a top receiver be inside more than outside. Yeah, although he's played outside this year more than he did last year. So they they move him around. He's become a motion receiver for them as well. Um, he's just become a really, really good receiver. Yeah, no, he's got that wig, that natural wiggle to him when he – the swivel, gliding, wiggly mover, really good player. Um, we're good. Hey, Greg, I'll let you get out of here. Appreciate it. This is the Behind the Screen podcast. My friend Greg Cosell, I'm Andy Benoit. Go ahead and hit that subscribe button, and thank you for listening. 